everyone has an idea of who Jesus is, but we want to help you know what the collection of scripture reveals about him. Right now, we are going through the Gospel of John and taking a look at what we can learn together. Join us at the metaphorical table as we get to know Jesus through the Bible. Welcome, everybody, to the Jesus Table Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we take a deep look, as much as we can, into the Gospel of John. And we started off looking at seven titles that were given to Jesus in the first chapter of John alone um, and the correlation between New Testament prophets, sorry, Old Testament prophecies, and uh, it's all throughout Scripture who Jesus is in those titles. And now we're going to take a look at another seven, which is seven signs or miracles that um, that are shown throughout the Gospel of John. And Jesus did many more than just seven. John himself at the end says that he did so many that it would not be able to be recorded in all the books in the world. But he chose these seven for a reason. We're going to go one by one. And uh, we talked about the first sign that he shows us that he turned water into wine at a wedding, what that meant culturally in the context. Then the healing of the noble son. Also, that was a really good one. If you have didn't hear, listen to that episode, go back and uh, listen to it, please. And today we're going to look at the third sign that we see in the Gospel of John, the healing of the lame man. Um, but before we get into that, I, uh, Doc, I want to kind of ask you, I don't know if we talked about this before, is there any importance to the number seven? Because here we see John giving seven uh, titles to yeah. Jesus, seven signs. Like, is there anything right. um, that that like, particularly means or... Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, more than anything, without being superstitious, okay? Because there are sometimes uh, people read the Bible and they see a lot in a number that really doesn't exist. But seven traditionally and historically is a sign of completion, is also the sign of of uh, divinity, really. So I think he's using it for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is to show... Uh, you know, who Jesus really is, you know, especially the number seven. But also it's a good tool when you're a writer, you know, uh, there's only so much the memory can retain. And I think, you know, by using right. sevens, uh, he's sort of sending us a little message here, uh, helping us to understand there are seven signs, there are seven titles in chapter one. And we'll be say, seeing after this series the seven discourses. So I think that's also part of design, sort of to uh, call our attention to it, you know, in the gospel. So, like I said, without being superstitious, because there are sometimes people that start seeing a whole bunch of things in numbers, and it, it does become sort of almost uh, superstitious. And we're, you know, John in no way, shape or form uh, was using sevens in that sense of the word. Gotcha. Yeah, I think we can... Um... The fancy word I learned Bible college was esoteric. We can make that kind of the the thing with numbers, but <laughs> I, I like I like what you said. It's a it's kind of a form for memorization. It kind of the the seven yeah. helps us memorize it, and that's that's really cool. Okay, so we'll, let, let's go into the text, I guess, and it's in John chapter five. <clears throat> I'll read the first few verses as we get into the story here, and it says this: After these things. There was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, 
by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. I don't know exactly what those are, but and these yeah. lay a multitude or of those who are yeah. sick. Colonnades, okay. And these lay a multitude of those who are sick, blind, and lame, waiting for the moving of the waters. And then in verse 4 says, For the angel of the Lord went down in a certain season and stirred up the waters. Um, well, I guess let's pause there. Um, uh, I guess it mentioned it's in Jerusalem. There's a pool called Bethesda. And what are those uh, porticos? And um, is there any importance of the location of this this place? Well, it's it's... You know, it's curious because for many years, uh, critics of the Bible said that this place never existed, you know, that it was an invention, something that uh, John uh, sort of invented. But in the last decades, uh, as a matter of fact, um, I've been to Israel twice, and I was at the Pool of of Bethesda, and also we see these five columns, you know, or these five colonnades. So uh, again, you know, there are critics of the Bible, but uh, archaeology more than ever, more than ever is un- unraveling those questions and answering those questions uh, that are being asked. Because, you know, over many years, for example, the Hittites, uh, for many, many, many years, uh, people that were critical of the Bible said the Hittites never existed. And, uh, you know, again, we see how through our archaeology and things that are found with all the diggings, not only in Israel, but in other parts of the world, in Rome and, and other countries, Turkey, for example, uh, we see how a lot of the things that the Bible says of locations uh, are being uh, confirmed, are being confirmed. Uh-huh. So the Pool of Bethesda, it's, all, it's also sometimes called but uh, it has different spellings, but it's the same pool. And uh, it's important for us to realize, uh, sometimes because maybe archaeology has not found it. For example, another another example is uh, when I was in Israel, uh, I, was, I was visiting and I saw uh, some people said that uh, Pontius Pilate really never existed either, you know. But there's a very, very in Caesarea, uh, there's a, a writing that you can see where it mentions very clearly, uh, as you go to Caesarea, it mentions very clearly the name of Pontius Pilate. So, I mean, again, those are things that little by little uh, are being discovered, and uh, we can trust the Bible. We can trust the Bible. Oh, that's really cool. Okay, and then, so here in in verse 3, when it says that, um, next to this, uh, this cool Bethesda, there lay a multitude of those mm-hmm. who were sick, blind, and lame. But then after that, um, there's these little, like, in my Bible, I have these little, like, signs that say that the end of verse 3 and verse 4 weren't in the original manuscripts or the older manuscripts um, right. that talk about the right. angel of the Lord that comes down and stirs it. Um, is there a reason that that was, like... Uh, added later was that a mistake you think um and how should we (laughs) how should we deal with that you know i think uh it's really important that we understand the way the bible came to us um for example we do not have and when i say we i'm saying christendom does not have the original manuscripts in other words uh we don't have or the Bible per se, 
uh, the original documents, you know. The way the Bible has come to us has been through many ways, many avenues, through manuscripts that have been found. And especially, uh, you have uh, verse 4 and 5, don't appear in the older manuscripts that are being discovered. If I remember correctly, uh, there were approximately, when some some of the older translations, maybe 3,000, 4,000 manuscripts, and now there are thousands more that have been discovered. So what happens is many of the scholars start looking at the different manuscripts, and they see sometimes, uh, let us not forget, this is my definition of the Bible. My personal definition is it's the word of God in the words of men. In other words, mm, God like uh, did not um, paralyze paralyze the writer as if he had to write everything word for word. The personality of the writer is there. And he wasn't a robot or she wasn't a robot, you know, depending on who wrote what. But what's important for us to realize is how the Bible was transmitted through us. So uh, we have, for example, the Old Testament. And uh, if I remember correctly, somewhere around 1947, 48, 49, uh, the Qumran, uh, just outside of, well, uh, in Israel, there was a community that lived at roughly the time of Jesus, what they call the Qumran uh, community. And what happened there was uh, some young Arab, uh, if I remember correctly, they were young boys. Uh, they were sort of playing and discovered this cave. And when they discovered this cave, a whole bunch of manuscripts were, were, uh, were found, you know, and those manuscripts, uh, even though they weren't the Bible per se, but they confirmed the Bible. And of course, since 1947, 48, 49, uh, since then, uh, they've discovered many, many, many caves and many more uh, manuscripts. And when you look at those manuscripts, uh, compared to the, you know, to, to other manuscripts that were found before or after, you see that really there's no difference, if I may use, uh, for us to understand without going into some other complications. But there's really no theological or something that we believe different uh, from, you know, the reliability of our our translations. And again, let's not forget their translations. You could say certain things with different words, synonyms, and different ways. So that when you see different translations, sometimes people that uh, try to criticize the Bible, you know, they say, well, why does this version say this and this other version not say that? It's just like, mm -hmm. well, Elliot, you know, you're, you're bilingual, I'm bilingual. We speak both English and Spanish. And in both languages, you know, you can use another word and it says exactly the same. So I just uh, want to caution uh, our listeners to, to feel confident, really, that uh, the Bible that we have today is totally accurate. And there's always updating, you know, a language, for example, whether in English you have the King James. Uh, I'm not opposed to the King James in no way, but we know uh, that people do not speak. It's, it's great English, but we don't use Shakespearean English today. Um, and uh, there are other more modern translations that say the same thing, but they say it in a modern way. And in Spanish, for example, 
uh, for those that are bilingual or Spanish speakers that are listening to us, uh, the Reina Valera, for example, has been the translation, especially in the 1960 version, and it uses the vosotros, which is the way they speak in Spain. But in Latin America, we don't use the vosotros. So, I mean, those are things that uh, what's important is that we be able to accurately communicate the good news of Jesus Christ. And language is always being updated. You know, words that you use 50, 75 years ago uh, really aren't in vogue today. And there are new words that come up. So, I hopefully, uh, we can... We can understand that verse 4 and 5, and that's why it's good uh, what you mentioned. There's a little asterisk or a little footnote there letting you know so that we can understand. It's not that we don't trust the Bible. It's just the opposite. Uh, we're being honest and we're being uh, forthright. Uh, sometimes, uh, for example, there are translations out there with mis what I would consider mistranslations. You know, and uh, they they tried to make it like this. This verse really says this for their theological uh, advantage, but uh, we're we're not. You know, one thing about the Bible per se, uh, we can trust the Bible. We can trust mm -hmm. the Bible, and it's a, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. But again, as I said before, it's uh, the Word of God in the words of men. So I like that. I like that. I hope because, that yeah, helps. There weren't. Yeah, because they're not, it's not like they were in a trance, you know, and then just kind of like they, they right. fell asleep and woke up and like, oh, I didn't know I wrote this. Like God used them. And um, <laughs> and then right. he's used uh, uh, all the people that have been translating it. So I think there's sometimes those little things like what I read about this particular is it's possible that this was like an annotation by a scholar on the side that was like, oh, it's, po you know, like right. his his commentary, if you will. And then in later translations, it was right. mistaken as part of the actual text that was then added on. Who knows? But, exactly. Um, okay. That's, that's good to know. And we can, we can um, take it um, with that in consideration, these brackets, knowing that this possibly wasn't exactly. there. That explains that there was an angel in the pool stirring the waters, which again, I don't think is the point. You know, like as we continue to see the story, whether right. it was an angel stirring the waters or if it was just superstition of the time or whatever it was, um, Jesus arrives on the scene in verse 5. And uh, as we guess, let's get back into the story. It says, um, a man was there who had been ill for 38 years. It's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am um, coming, other steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man began, became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. And I guess what always gets me when I read this story is how Jesus even asked him. He says, like, uh, he had he had yeah. been there for a long time. You know, Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had been there for a long time in that condition. So it's not like Jesus didn't know. He says he knew he was in that condition for a long time, and yet he still asks him, do you want to get well? You know, which it's kind of like asking someone in the line <laughs> of Burger King, like, hey, do you want food? It's like, yeah, that's why I'm in line, you know, like, uh, no doubt, but... Um, uh, but I think there's a reason why even Jesus asked that, right? What do you think? <laughs> well, I think it's a matter of faith. You know, uh, Jesus, mm -hmm. uh, 
Most probably, you know, obviously, uh, maybe the man was depressed. We, you know, we don't have all those details, but maybe the man, just imagine 38 years, you know, being there hmm. uh, and, you know, wanting to be healed and you're not healed. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, hey, do you want to be healed? Well, we don't know the details exactly of the question. You know, Jesus doesn't have us. Uh, have a footnote there or anything like that. But uh, I think it's a matter of faith. He was sort of just uh, challenging him. You know, as as uh, we see in the other Gospels with other people, you know, uh, that Jesus sort of challenges them or wants them to be focused on him. And uh, obviously the answer is yes, of course he wants to be healed. But at the same time, we see how Jesus has authority over the illness and uh, he heals him. And I, I love the way Jesus, I mean, the scripture says, get up, take up your bed and walk. You know, it's like Jesus says the word and just do it. And we also see how he responds immediately, right? And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. And this reminds me, for example, in the book of Acts with Peter, you know, at the temple and John, when they go in and, and there's a lame man there also, you know, Gold and silver I have not, but what I have, you know, uh, I give to you. And what is it? He he prays for him in the name of Jesus. And the gentleman uh, that was there crippled, uh, begging, all of a sudden gets up. And uh, it says it jumped. He jumped. So it's, it's curious to note the power of the name of Jesus, not only mm. when Jesus was walking the earth, but also after that, you know, when he's glorified at the right hand of the Father. But uh, yeah, it's it's just fascinating to see the authority and the power that Jesus has, and so also you know what yeah. what calls to mind. What calls to mind also? I mean, it says there were many invalids there, but Jesus picked this one gentleman for the reason being, you know, uh, Jesus just picked him, and uh, he was the one, of course. Uh, later, we see all the trouble it caused, rather than everyone rejoicing. And we can continue the story. We see how uh, it not only brought problems for him, the lame man, but it also brought problems uh, for Jesus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, we've seen this happen in other stories, too. Um, um, it says that, it adds this in verse 9, after he began to walk, it says, now it was the Sabbath on that day. So the Jews were saying to this man who was cured, it is Sabbath. Why are you carrying your pallet? It's not permissible. And they... Um, they um, they go to him, and then they end up going to Jesus um, after Jesus found him in the temple, and um, and after they confront him, uh, they confront Jesus for for doing these things on the Sabbath, for for telling this man to walk and carry his pallet. Um, in verse eighteen, towards the end, he says, um, "Well, I'll, I'll start in verse 17. But Jesus answered them, being the Pharisees, yeah. "My Father is working until now, and I myself am working." For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. I think that's like the yeah the point of this whole story. Like if you get nothing else out of this whole story, I think that's what um, yeah. John wants us to notice. You know what I mean? If you were to say, what's the whole point of this? It's this, that Jesus was making himself equal with God. And the Pharisees understood that. The Pharisees understood him mentioning exactly. um, 
God as his own father, as we talked about the title, son of God. And like you said, him speaking mm -hmm. healing into existence is like God speaking the world into existence, you know, uh, just saying, let there be light, exactly. let there be this. And, and Jesus says, get up and walk. It's the same authority um, ex nihilo that the father has. He's he's having the same one. He's showing I have authority over all things. And um, and he even saying, just like my father works, I work in the same way. Um, and yeah, I think I think the key exactly. is right there in the verse 18, right? Mm -hmm. And, and you know, you mentioned the Pharisees, even though the Pharisees are not mentioned per se as Pharisees here, but it is in the context of verse 18 and the others when it talks about the Jews, you know, uh, again, oh, right. uh, when, when we study the Bible or we study any, anything really, uh, you can have one word and it has different meanings in different contexts. And here it's not talking about all the Jewish people. It's not talking about the whole nation of Israel. It's, it, it's specifically uh, speaking about the religious establishment uh, of that day and those that were sympathetic to his cause, to, to their mm -hmm. cause. And, uh, you know, that, that's why I'm so fascinated by scriptures because sometimes uh, some people have used these verses uh, to be anti-Semitic. And by that I mean uh, they say, well, you know, the Bible says the Jews— you know, so they were the ones that crucified Jesus, etc. And over the centuries, uh, it's been a really a mis misinterpretation and misunderstanding of what the terms mean in their context. And here, by Jews, it speaks about uh, especially, you know, the religious leaders. Because let's 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 clarify also regarding this. There are many times that we forget the Jewishness of the Gospels, of our roots yeah. as believers. The first believers were Jewish. You know, Peter, the disciples, you know, I mean, so many of them. So uh, we we need to know how to interpret correctly in the context what the words mean. And here, to me, it's very clear it's speaking about the Jewish religious leaders of their day and those that were, again, they wanted to... Uh, they they understood correctly. You're right, Elliot. They understood correctly what it meant, hmm. you know, uh, by Jesus saying these words. They understood very clearly, and we don't see Jesus saying, "Oh no no no, I didn't mean it. Oops, it's uh, it was a mistake. You know, I I misspoke." Mm -hmm. No no no, it's it's just the opposite, and we see that. Uh, we mentioned when we did a series on the Son of Man and the Son of God, uh, the implications of those titles and what all of that means. And here again, we see very clearly that they understood what Jesus was saying. And Jesus did not negate in any way that uh, they were incorrect in their interpretation. Uh, that's big. And <clears throat> I had a question. I've heard it say, um, some people say that it was wrong um, or against the 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 Torah, the instruction in the Old Testament for Jesus to have healed on the yeah. Sabbath. But I've also heard some people say that that's never, never mentioned that it's wrong to heal on the Sabbath, that Jesus didn't break the Torah because, mm -hmm. you know, if he had broken it, then he wouldn't have been the Messiah. Yeah. And I've kind of heard this like debate <laughs> of some people saying yeah. um, one thing and the other. And what they were actually mad about was the guy walking with the pallet or because they had kind of added some laws, if you will, through the Talmud and their own yeah. like little specific, you know, things that they had added. Um, what's mm -hmm. your take on that? 
again, you're jogging my memory, so I hope to be as accurate as possible. But I think yeah. there were, uh, in, in the oral law, they came up with something like 30 some odd, maybe 39 different things that were considered work. And one of the things was uh, uh, doing this kind of thing, picking up your, your pallet or your bed, uh, was considered work. But it's curious to note, uh, Jesus in another instant uh, asked the religious leaders, which one of you on the Sabbath wouldn't uh, help, you know, if your sheep falls in a, in a hole? Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, the answer is everybody would do that right, mm-hmm. on the Sabbath. But the purpose of all of this is to understand, is it good to do, is it lawful, let's put it like that, to do good on the Sabbath, which is what Jesus confronted them in some other scriptures. And the answer, of course, is yes. And that's why he quotes, you know, mm-hmm. is it good to do be merciful? If you see someone in a jam on that day, you say, oh, I'm sorry. I mean, you know, when you look at the Good Samaritan, and there are so many examples in the New Testament, uh, you look at the Good Samaritan uh, when, it, when it talks about, you know, who's your neighbor. I mean, Jesus was very intentional and picked an enemy, an enemy of the religious establishment. And uh, that, that was his neighbor. But it's curious to note when the Levites passed by, they were obeying the law. You know, because they couldn't touch the man because he was full of blood. And of course, if you came in contact with blood, uh, you would be unclean. So the Good so Samaritan story, So they followed right? the law? Yeah, exactly. You know, they followed the law, but Jesus said, whoa, 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 there's something greater here. Who showed mercy? And I think that's that's what Jesus, I know, you know, in, in some other scriptures, it says that the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath. Again, that's another time that yeah. Jesus is is pointed to his deity, who he is. You know, mm. who can be Lord of the Sabbath but God? Because again, uh, Jesus, it's very curious to note the way Jesus interprets the law. But he says there's something greater that is happening. Mm. And there is someone greater here. And in the Gospel of John, you know, he says he's greater than the temple. So, I mean, mm. uh, there's a lot going on yeah. here. And There's he, a really lot, and Jesus is trying to change their paradigm and their understanding mm. so that they know Him, and know who He really is. And of course, John tells us that. And this verse that you mention here is very important because it says, because not only was He breaking the Sabbath, but He was even calling His own fa- His God, His own Father, making Himself equal with God. Jesus knew what He was doing. It wasn't an accident. Yeah. And right. the religious establishment understood very clearly what he was saying. And this goes with the purpose of the whole gospel, so that we may know that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Yeah, and he was revealing himself, revealing himself to the Jews and to and to the man. Because, you know, when, when Jesus asked him, going back, when he asked him, do you want to be well? The man doesn't answer with yes. He says, he just answers him with a problem. He says, well, I can't get in the water, you know, like... uh and and Jesus like I imagine him like thinking I didn't ask you if you could get in the water or not I'm asking you do you want to be well because <laughs> the an- the answer was right there you know yeah. Jesus as always being the one who gives life exactly. the one who brings healing the one who is the savior and uh, I think it's just a beautiful story that reveals more of who he is and uh, 
Yeah, thank you so much, Doc. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add or if you want to wrap it up here. No, I think, I think uh, you know, I just want to encourage people to uh, not only listen to the podcast, but to run it through the filter of Scripture, study Scripture, study the yeah. Word, you know, uh, understand what is it uh, that the Holy Spirit wants to do in their life and our life, because we're all a work in progress. So thanks, Elliot. I appreciate the opportunity again. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And yeah, I do encourage everyone, go read the story for yourselves and uh, hopefully we'll get a little bit more out of it and we'll have a better understanding of it. And we'll see uh, you all next time for the next, the fourth sign. That's a, a big one. That's in John chapter six, if you want to go ahead and read that beforehand. <laughs> so uh, blessings to you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Table podcast. We pray that these conversations are a blessing for anyone seeking to know who Jesus is and for those seeking to know him even more.